the internet, and welcome to season 141, episode one of Dear Daily Zeitgeist, a Yay. production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say, officially, off the top, fuck the Koch brothers, fuck Fox News, fuck Rush Limbaugh, fuck Buck Saxon, fuck Ben Shapiro, fuck JK Rowling. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, wow, yeah. I, like, I like the twist at the end. Like we also hate a lady, <laughs> <laughs> a lady, <laughs> the worst uh, one of all. Yes, she definitely uh, should be the finale of uh, of that whole group, right? Uh, it's Friday, July sixth, twenty twenty. My name is Jack O'Brien, aka I want Trader Joe's to get me through this. Semi-quark kind of life, baby, baby, I want Trader Joe's, not listening when you say mask on. That is courtesy of Cookie Smut or Cookies Mutt. I don't know which one it is, uh, but I certainly appreciate it. Uh, And I'm thrilled to be joined by my special guest co-host. She is Lil Zam, one of the very faces on Mount Zeitmore, Jamie Loftus! It's Jamie, Jamie, gotta get down with Jamie. In quarantine every day is the weekend, weekend. <laughs> That's from Johnny Davis at Johnny, Johnny Davis. D94710240. Wow. Is that it? What if that wow. was his phone, phone number? number? As I was saying, I, was like, I don't know, he's a really long... I don't you've know. Been no, doxed, I don't think that's enough numbers. Johnny, you've been I doxed. just doxed, Johnny. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for the AKA. You've been doxed. <laughs> he is the king of the short show titles. Uh, so Johnny Davis, fan favorite, uh, host favorite. Thank you, Johnny. Uh, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the hilarious, the talented Teresa Lee. What's up? It's your girl, Father Longlegs, Daddy P. You know me. <laughs> Father Longlegs is so good. Uh, Teresa, how are you? It's great to have you back. I am alive and here. And that is all I can wish for. How is Woosh? He's good. Uh, Yeah, he's he's hiding right now. He's been a little grumpy lately. I feel like Mm. when we opened, I, I didn't really go out or anything, but I did more. I did take him to more parks just to like romp. And now he's been quarantined again. And I think he knows. He's Aww. upset. He's mad at Garcetti. I yeah. I've cursing Garcetti out. I, I mean, he's fair. been that way from day one, though, uh, to be fair. Like, <laughs> it didn't take <laughs> yes. the quarantine to turn him against Garcetti. Uh, all right, wow. Teresa, we are going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we are going to tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about today. Uh, we did a Netflix rewatch of... Uh, two things that I feel like we're going to have the least to say about, uh, maybe. I don't know. It, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe we'll have the most. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about how they got Ghislaine Maxwell in the... Uh, is that right? Did I do that right? Did I get it? I think so. Ghislaine, Ghislaine. Uh, like in French, it'd be Ghislaine, but I... You like in that documentary they call her Ghislaine, right? Ghislaine, yeah. Ghislaine, who knows? Yes. Ghislaine. 
Uh, anyway, they got her. She doesn't to have her name said correctly. They got her in the French province of New Hampshire. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the most uh, exotic locale on the globe. Uh, that was at the end of last week. Um, we're recording this a little early, uh, kind of very early. Uh, so she, we're, we're assuming, uh, and this might not be a safe assumption that she's still, uh, that she survived the holiday weekend, uh, because we know how the rich and powerful do in this country of ours. Um, and she does seem to know where the bodies are buried, but, uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Karen Watch 2020. It seems like there's just a, a national reckoning happening. And so we're going to talk about that, why those videos are, are going viral all at the same time. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about uh, a new study came out that ranks masks, uh, not in terms of how cool they make you look, but oh. in terms of how uh, far your sneeze can shoot through them. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Uh, it's a, it's a big difference, unfortunately. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to ask the question, are people really having COVID-19 parties? And then we'll talk about dark, uh, the German TV show that I watched and have, have watched before. Uh, and we're going to talk about love. The very European uh, week on the Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, which love is a French, uh, or is is he French? No, he's Argentinian, Gaspar, right? No. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel like he's, he's so he's not French, but this is a this movie but takes place in France. In, he like works in France. Yeah, his sensibility is so French. You uh, feel there's the a French friend. movie. There's a French movie called Amour, which means love, but it's by. Haneke, which is who is a German director, but it's what? spoken in French. My head is spinning over so here. So much French. Yeah. Are Anyways, love is a porno. Uh that yeah. is like two hours long. Uh <laughs> really so. expensive porno. Yeah, yeah. And and true to uh porno, I the story doesn't make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like supposed to not make sense. Um, I don't know. We'll talk about it. Uh, Anyways, first, Teresa, we like to ask our guest, what is something Mm -hmm. from your search history that is revealing about who you are, where you are, what's going on with you? Um, So I searched, are there bots on LinkedIn, which (laughs) is actually very telling because I've been going down a spiral of uh, an... Well, unraveling a mystery, but also unraveling myself um, about bots. There's just like, you know, loosely the way that Trump has been using bots. Or I I don't want to say Trump. The radical right has been using bots to um, influence voters, but also just got me down. uh, Just I don't know. It really unraveled a lot more. So now I've been looking at other social media sites and how bots data mine and how. And there are the answer. The short answer is yes. There are bots that will reach out to you to get your information uh, on LinkedIn so can collect data. Yeah. Pretty much everywhere on the internet. If anything seems weird, I would just say the old, uh, you know, adage of don't take candy from a man in a van. We should start telling people just that should apply to the <laughs> internet. If someone's <laughs> offering you something and you don't know who they are or what their goal is, and right. it seems too good to be true. 
this isn't just like Ray-Ban. Sometimes they have like a whole job description, but something's right. just a little off. So yeah, they're, they're bots. The bots are out there. Uh, I've been uh, taken in so many times by the promise of Ray-Bans, though. I was going to uh, say, Jack's always hitting the group thread saying he just found a cool opportunity on LinkedIn. Right. <laughs> so like, what do the bots offer on LinkedIn? Can you like talk, speak to that? Um, like jobs? Yeah. Sometimes. So that's really like I was searching that this morning, but the whole thing about bots has been an ongoing project. So I haven't researched enough into the way they do it on LinkedIn, but a couple articles do come up. So um, yeah, they're looking for data. So it could be anything. It depends on who's behind it. I mean, it could be that they want to collect, you know, resumes so that they can use. These are all like data mining operations. Right. And if you feed it enough information. No, I mean, maybe like, I don't know, but like my, so this is what I tell people who fuck with bots. Cause sometimes people think it's funny to text back with a bot, but you're actually helping them learn how to speak like a human. So when you respond to these messages, they get better at sounding human and they also get better at, um, just imitating us basically. Right. I mean, these aren't uh, sentient bots. There's a person behind it, but you can kind of tell what they're after if they're really pushing for you to send a resume, but they don't tell you what the job is. You know, any type <laughs> right. of red flag like that, uh, if someone's just kind of pushing too hard for one thing, that tends to be a red flag. Yeah, yeah. The, um, That's wild. We were just talking yeah. about, we were just made aware of the continuing existence of Ashley Madison uh oh. and that's one of my favorite uh favorite <laughs> stories is that like when they did that uh dump of or like somebody like hacked ashley madison and found that it was like 98 percent men <laughs> and then like just millions and millions of bots <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> just these like lonely depressed men just interacting with robots. Uh, so I guess in theory, all those horny men uh, were te were helping those bots pass the Turing test. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Getting them Maybe. inching closer. Although it's almost sadder to realize some of those men were still rejecting the bots. Like even a, a, <laughs> a, a fake robot created for the purpose of satisfying these like sad men still wasn't enough i mean it's like time to right. look inside your heart mister like <laughs> right. boss can't satisfy you nothing it's will. just them talking yeah. to a, a mirror just like a digital reflection of like what this. they're putting I out don't like this <laughs> <laughs> no it's not gonna do uh it'd be great if the bot was rejecting men they're like sorry this just <laughs> you don't cut it um what is something you think is underrated teresa um I think Vaclav Havel is underrated. Um, I've been screaming about him for a while, but I think that we don't study enough about success stories of, you know, human rights and democracy in um, foreign countries. And I think for a reason, you know, patriotism and propaganda. But I've, I mean, most people kind of know about him through his um, peace efforts. But I first learned about him through uh, studying screenwriting at NYU because we read one of his plays. So he was a playwright in... Uh, the Czech Republic. Well, he actually created the Czech Republic, but he was there during the like, communist USSR time, time and he used his plays to sort of, you know, kind of like the way comedians do, just push um, his ideas out. But it got so popular that he became a dissident and his plays were banned. And then he started um, distributing his, like, they're like one-act plays, a lot of them, so they're short. He distributed them via, like, 
the just people and people would put them on in their living rooms to spread the ideas. And these weren't ideas like propaganda. It was just like free thought. Like he really pushed the idea of like critical right. thinking and free thought against the communist regime. And he um, ended up leading a peaceful protest. Well, you know, people still got hurt, but overall it's like a success story because it was the most gentle revolution. I think it was like 89 in um, Czechoslovakia where one day they did a general strike with 75% of the uh, country doing the general strike. And it worked because, you know, everybody thinks with money. So the communists let them have fair elections. He established the Czech Republic, became the president, and then went on to continue fighting for human rights and democracy and won a peace prize. And it all started because he was a playwright. Yeah. So, and we just don't, I feel like we think of um, a lot of those Eastern European countries as like, socialists in america where we're almost pushed against them but he literally defeated communism um but yeah to american standards i would say they probably fall on the socialist spectrum yeah so i think that's why we don't study that in our schools that's fascinating I didn't that is know. first of all best <laughs> underrated in such a long time yeah uh, not to not to Usually shit talk anybody like, else chips. is underrated <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's um that's amazing, and that's such so interesting. Like you mentioned, comedians in the United States. I feel like the thing that most comedians do with their success is just become Republicans, like start uh, trying to like protect their wealth, um, and that yeah, that's so. Yeah, it's almost I, impossible I to like imagine. To it, yeah, yeah, totally. We all I'm aspire running. to become no, Republicans. Right, right. It's like Teresa and I are actually like running together. So. Has there been an example of a an artist in the United States who's like done something that politically relevant and successful? Because isn't there another like <laughs> current Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes, Arnold Schwarzenegger is the, the closest side. we get. Oh no. <laughs> And we have Ronald the dystopian Reagan. version where, yeah. yeah, we got the dystopian version. Well, I think the difference for him was he he didn't um, combine the forms. Like, he was still a play- playwright, and in his plays, they weren't... I mean, I guess depending on what side you're on, the communists could say it's propaganda, but they just felt like, you know, intrins- had intrinsic artistic value as plays that explored all points of views. So and cool. you could, you know, you could watch it and decide your own you could decide you like communism after watching it like his goal wasn't to uh change your point of view his goal was for freedom of expression so then when he became a politician he was doing that job so i like that he wasn't like and now i'll just use this to sell my plays but if people are curious i did buy his um because we read a uh, one act called protest in school that i really liked so i ended up buying the full collection and i have that it's only 15 pages i have it scanned so if anyone wants to DM me, I'll email you the PDF. I don't want to post it because it is still like, you know, copyrights, but this is educational. So I'll send it to you if you email me. Um, send it to but me. yeah, it kind of um, speaks to the whole uh, like at the beginning of uh, these recent protests where people were arguing within the left about what to do to be right. Um, like, you know, when people posted the black squares and then they started yelling at each other. Mm-hmm. So his that play sort of speaks to it's like two people talking, but they're both anti-communist, but they kind of get into this nuance of like, well, I'm doing this because I have wealth and I can't totally show my cards, but don't worry, I'm on the right side. Like there's a lot of that sort of. Thing. Oh, my it's God. Interesting. Sure. That sounds 
V relevant. Um, and it's funny. He's he's a funny guy. <laughs> uh, Zelensky is uh, the guy I was thinking of in the modern sense. Who was like a an actual like Ukraine comedian who uh, be, oh. became like the head of state. Uh, who we oh, all now right. know about because he of the played Ukrainian. a president, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and I don't. I don't think he's like super progressive necessarily um like it's not like he was their finest artist who people were going to study in universities anyways and became their leader uh but still like there i don't know there's something about american culture that um up to this point in our history has not allowed like that crossover from like progressive thoughtful artistically valid artists over to the political sphere it's just been mm. uh arnold schwarzenegger and ronald reagan and charlton heston uh, so. <laughs> i think it might be because we put so much emphasis on monetary success in yeah. art to become yeah. successful you have to make a lot of money and like that usually dilutes the art not always okay i'm i know it's not always true but often it dilutes the artistic value so by the time you get to that point you do dilute the message a bit. Whereas, and mm. I'm not a communist, I'm an American. Whatever you guys want to say is fine, but I like money too. Um, but I also feel like when you get to that level, if your only goal is money, then it's going to be less about spreading ideas and more about just keeping your wealth and your business because at that point, people depend on you. So it's not like selfish to keep the business going if you're paying people's rent. You sound like a I communist, think- but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Upton Sinclair. Cynthia Nixon would be like a recent example of someone who is like attempted to do that. But I guess, yeah, there's far less left leaning examples that are successful. Right. And Upton Sinclair tried it in the early 20th century. Actors aren't writers. Stupid. Yeah. Well, they're not. Their whole goal is to take on any other character but themselves. And then we like (laughs) erase writers. So I feel like in Europe, or at least back in the, you know, philosophical enlightenment days it was a lot more reading and focus on ideas and now it's all about appearances so yeah i mean cynthia nixon i i don't know her policies enough i remember when she was running but she's famous from an acting role so it's we don't know you know how she really feels as a person until she comes out and says it right yeah that is interesting though that 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 is what our politicians are is essentially actors um it's deep man just fucking nailed him, bro. Uh, <laughs> That's why uh, I'm unsuccessful in Hollywood. <laughs> uh, what is something you think is overrated, Teresa? I think, gosh, this was really hard because I feel like my brain's been on. Someone on, uh, oh, Troy Walker said that I sound like I'm on shrooms all the time. And I think that's a very good way to describe <laughs> how I've been been in quarantine. It's just a lot it's of poor thoughts. brain. But I'll just, uh, yeah, it, for the for the uh, <laughs> to limit my time here, I'll just say I think thinking about the world in binary is overrated. I mean, I'm not just saying that as an advocate for the LGBTQ community, but just the way we argue with each other. I think when you're a child, you have to see things binary because it's the best way to learn. It's you versus the world for survival. But as adults, we've kind of forgot that we just because people don't agree with me doesn't mean they're all on another side. Like there's shades of that um and i guess an example of that would be like the uh the way that the bots have been using um the abortion debate to get people radicalized because 
they use fake information where they say uh, the leftists want to kill babies. Mm-hmm. But then you're pushed into this corner where you're like, well, if I don't want to kill babies, I have to vote everything that's on the right. And you forget that it's not just A and B. There's other options like changing your platform to include the other things you want and then keeping the abortion if that's what you care about or talking to the right side and saying, hey, why do you want to kill babies? Which isn't true. And then you'd find out, oh, hey, that's a lie. Like there's all these other options that we forget because we're cornered into thinking the world is binary. So if you don't agree with me, I'm A, you're B versus like, oh, wait, there's like a whole alphabet of options that might include something I also like. Yeah. Yeah. Does that True. make sense? Do I sound like that I'm makes on mushrooms? Yes. So much know. sense. Deep as hell this morning. <laughs> yeah, damn. Are you like, on mushrooms? Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's deep as I hope, hell. I don't know. Dog. I think my brain has just been. Uh, when I don't get stimulated from, you know, being outdoors and on stage, I uh, this is I sit with thoughts, and there's a lot of thoughts. Truly, That's it's good. too much. <laughs> Should do that more uh, often. We're all learning yeah, a yeah. lot right now. Um, great. Also, I've seen you on mushrooms, and it's not this. Yes, it's different. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she says much different. <laughs> the mushroom tea. Uh, <laughs> and finally, what is a myth? What's something people think is true you know to be false? Um, I think a myth. Well, since we're going into well, this is going on Monday, so we'll have just passed Fourth of July. But I feel like I've been very conflicted about celebrating America's birthday because, um, you know, if right now there's so many injustices. But I think this might be controversial or unpopular, but a myth is that MAGA or racist people are America because I think they're appropriating American culture. I mean, they love to appropriate and they're appropriating American culture. America was built by immigrants, uh, built on fighting oppression. I am American. I'm a U.S. citizen. And most of the people I spend time around and, uh, you know, like and, and get to know are either Americans or people who also share those values. So to me, that's what America is. So I don't feel like I need to fight against their status quo. Like they should be fighting against our status quo. And that's why I feel like conflicted because there's a lot of push to want to be mourning over July 4th and wear black and, you know, and I totally understand that sentiment, but then it makes it feels like I don't know where else to go. It's not like, like I like this country for the values I like and I don't like what they're pushing, but I don't believe that that's what it is. To me, I almost want to show up like decked head to toe in American flags. Just like, you know, when you show up to a birthday party of a popular girl and you're wearing the same thing, like that's how I want them to feel. I want to like if all the liberals (laughs) change their profile photos to American flags, it would confuse the MAGA people so much because they love to say that we're not American. But we're like, we're American and we're protesting because this is American, so I'm going to kneel in my jumpsuit right. of stars and stripes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, suck on that. Uh, and oh, I can be like, you guys can change. You guys make a new flag. Why don't you yeah. guys go make a, a flag? You're not the norm. We're the and norm. F- yeah, for people who are listening and can't see, we, we are recording this before 4th of July. Uh, Teresa is wearing uh, Uncle Sam top hat <laughs> and has sparklers oh, uh, in both hands and a full... <laughs> Uh, American flag jumpsuit. So we're um, railing against essentialism this morning. I like it. I know, but that's such a good <laughs> point that like we just kind of let them have that and turned that into like the thing, like patriotism being the thing 
uh, that like basic people uh, are into and racist people and like white supremacists. And, you know, there's a lot of white supremacy in U.S. history. There's also a lot of, you know, Mm -hmm. really amazing people fighting against white supremacy. Um, Yeah, that's the thing is if you look at the writings on the wall, because I agree, we we shouldn't erase history and we shouldn't have a, you know, a fluffy Disney version of it. I think we need to face and reckon with our past. But generally when abusers and manipulators try to change a reality, they're putting a lot of money and effort into changing it because they have to hide the truth. So the writings on the wall show, like who's spending them, like the Koch brothers, they're spending so much money and even, and they're kind of successful doing it, but even with all the money and time they've thrown at it, they're, it's still not a sure thing. That's why they're so mad. It's hard to hide the truth. And so the writings on the wall show, if you're not sure what to believe, like whoever's spending the most effort to cover the truth is probably not thinking about your interests. And um, when I think about what's American, like people trying to change the history of America or change the future, like a racist trying to erase culture and erase identities, mm-hmm. that's actually going against the uh, trend of America. They're actually putting effort to change it. So to me, right. I'd say like, you're trying to, you're trying to fuck America up. You're not trying to save America. Right. And going against like the natural inclination of America, I think broadly. Mm-hmm. I think, I'm, yeah, I think like my plan for 4th of July as of now is like, I'm going to make a hot dog at my house and I'm going to <laughs> call my racist relatives and have a just like it's, you know, like you can, there's more than one way to do it. Yeah. I'm still going to have a hot dog and it's yeah. going to taste like <laughs> shit. And then I'm going to have like a, a, a discussion. Nice. Yeah. I think that's a great plan. That's a, yeah. that's the most American thing you can do is uh, try to, Engage in debate with people while eating food that is slowly poisoning Killing you me. to death. Oh yeah, I'm like I want I want to be having an intellectual discussion while actively removing years from my own life. <laughs> Isn't it weird that hot dogs are American and um, they're also we white people love to make fun of Asian food as being gross, but and then also white people make fun of asian people for eating dogs in certain areas but we literally the most american food is called a hot dog and it's full of (laughs) intestines isn't that so weird i'd never thought about that until just now but it's (laughs) literally the most nasty parts of meat and then they love to make fun of like different other cultures foods that aren't actually that gross but just different of like an intestine something called dogs that all, they literally that, call it hot dog. Yeah. And that's the insult they use. Well, the very racist ones like to, and to we, say that Asian people eat dogs. We eat hush puppies and we <laughs> like they it's almost <laughs> leading me to believe that like there's the whole taboo, like the whole taboo <laughs> around eating dogs is like because Americans desperately want to eat dogs and they're, they're just like it's like the guy who's like, like uh, if you legalize gay marriage, that means I ha- can marry my dog. What do you t- it's like you want to marry a dog? <laughs> you you, like, you okay, clearly yeah. want to marry a dog. It's uh, telling myself to be like, oh, 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 I want to eat so much. many dog-based foods. <laughs> That's so amazing. <laughs> if you, if, if anyone listening hasn't seen the How It's Made episode on uh, hot dogs, um, you know. Don't don't, don't do it right do after a meal, but it it's the wildest 
Uh, it's the grossest shit on the entire planet. It's, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break and <laughs> we'll be right back. And we're back. And as of this recording, Ghislaine Maxwell is in FBI custody. Some people on Twitter are saying, you know, start the start the death clock on her, which is exactly what we said when Epstein was arrested. We were like, ah, wait, wait till they kill him. And then he died. Uh, so. Right. Yeah. So it wasn't a joke. So I don't I don't know what to like. If she dies under mysterious circumstances, it's just like so. Ma- it's not really a question of like whether a bunch of rich people want her dead. It's like how mask off is are they and the government willing to be? How long um, will they wait before like doing anything? Because it's like it is. It was like always a matter of putting her in a position where she has nothing to lose, right? But to. I don't know. I feel like it's it's so deprived. I feel like she's for sure going to die under mysterious circumstances. It's just a matter of whether they're going to wait. Right. If they're going to be like, oh, I guess that the Epstein murder was a little mask off, but maybe right. this one will wait a bit. We'll see. Yeah. I also wonder if it's like uh, the people who are dumping weird news during the pandemic because they know people mm. won't be paying as much attention so they're like, hurry up and grab her so we can kill her while people are paying attention to the national uprising and election and uh, pandemic and all yeah. this stuff. Yeah. All very she, I mean, she has so much time to um, like just prepare. Like, I don't want to be a cynic, but I'm like, even if she didn't, I don't know. I feel like she had time to like hide the evidence or make her deals and, and all that. And it's like. I don't she should don't have that, yeah she should have a dead hand switch like where if she dies all of a sudden all the tapes like show up in the <laughs> New York Times inbox like the next day uh would be actually not the New York Times in uh the Daily Zeitgeist <laughs> inbox I don't trust the New York Times so let's just they caught her in New Hampshire first weird thing is that she was still that was like the very first rumor when uh Epstein died was that she was or even when he was first arrested, people were like, she's in New Hampshire with her boyfriend. And then... Right. And uh, then I feel like the vibe at that time was like, there's no way. She wouldn't right. just be yeah. in New Hampshire. And I remember like following it and like some media organization like doorstepped him basically and was like, uh, yeah, is she here? And he was like, Jizz Lane? What? That's... I've never heard of a name. <laughs> what, who's that? Uh, that reminds me of that scene in long I, Tanya where uh where they where they show up at what's his name Paul Walter Hauser's house and he's like Tony or or like Tony Harding I don't I don't know a Tony Harding <laughs> yeah. or like sir you're her bodyguard <laughs> But they do Epstein was doing that in his deposition uh, I watched the doc on Netflix and there's they ask him about people he clearly knows and he's like oh what was the name say it again Yeah no. yeah Who Yeah it's like, so oh, it's so oh. flagrant I'm also seeing a lot of people cover the photograph of her at In-N-Out Burger as though that was a real photograph, but didn't the <laughs> internet prove that that was like fake because the signs oh, in the background? 
she so there were these two photographs of her eating outside of an In-N-Out burger where she was clearly it, it seemed like she was posing for the photographs mm-hmm. or like totally uh, at ease with being photographed. And she was reading a book about uh, CIA operatives who were secretly murdered. Um, oh, jeez. So. I don't, I th- I thought we had proven that it wasn't uh, an actual photograph because the billboards in the background were of oh. Good Boys or that that movie about kids. Yes, oh. it's the yeah. I I think that it was heavily speculated that those were photoshopped because oh, the yes. Jacob Tremblay poster. <laughs> right. Exactly. Didn't match up. I I mean, while that Tremblay managed to get his way into this story. Yeah. What won't he do for press? Yeah, uh, he touches everything. The tre- the tremblay, <laughs> <Six degrees laughs> big tremblay. Yeah, um, yeah. But, I guess I, I'm seeing that 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 is um, what it was. Ha- I, I've only seen it like speculated, but it seems like based on that argument, you could ar- you could pretty clearly say that it was photoshopped. It's also weird. Like some of the articles where they're talking about this um, news, they all call her like one-time girlfriend of Jeffrey Epstein. Like, I don't know if that's a, like, a, a publicist thing to try to just, like, make her feel like she's less... I mean, she, like, lived with him, right? And she was brought up multiple times by these survivors. So it's so yeah. weird that they've really harped on describing her as one-time girlfriend of right. Ghislaine Max or Jeffrey Epstein. Like, yeah. it's such a yeah. bizarre Human way trafficker. to call someone one-time yeah. girlfriend. Like, yeah. It's like one I was time. only there was just uh, this his one girlfriend time. one time, okay? <laughs> <laughs> one time that lasted decades, but you know, it was one time. But yeah, the details from the victims are, you know, she was involved in literally every way, uh, in truly horrifying mm-hmm. ways. And all of the victims, like one of their first, you know, questions after Epstein died was like, well, let's get her too, because she's still out there and she was you know super complicit in every the organizer of everything yeah Yeah. Um, i worry about i'm in because i feel like the way that this story has been covered has gotten so i mean it's so gigantic and it's such a part of like pop culture at this point mm -hmm. too where the point was to the point where people like make jokes about it that it can be pretty funny um, but it's such a huge part of pop culture now that it's like I always worry about there there are so many victims of mm. these people and and it's like over and over and over they have to like relive stuff, whether it's for a documentary, mm-hmm. whether it's in court, or whether it's just like seeing this like wild goose chase and speculation of like um dying by suicide or dying by murder and just uh, it, it's frustrating. I feel like because everyone's so excited that she mm-hmm. has been like gotten and she is going to be taken into questioning. Like the important thing is that she has the information that could actually provide a lot of victims with justice. Um, right. And I have like for a very cynical view of whether that is actually likely to happen mm-hmm. or not. Um, but yeah, I don't know the way this story has been covered because it's been it's very being triggering for, so for survivors. They're not considering the point of view of the people involved, I think. Yeah, because I think it just gets so, like, it gets so gigantic and blown out of proportion and everyone has a take on it and everyone has a joke about it. And then it's like, you, it, it, it feels like sometimes the objective of the investigation mm-hmm. is lost in the excitement of the coverage. 
Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, I feel like if she goes to, I mean, she's got to make a deal. That's probably how she's going to operate. But I could yeah. see her trying to make a, a narrative where she was also a victim. But I feel like the best way to get her is just to say, without her, this operate, like she's, she was crucial to this operation. Whereas some of the other women who recruited um, and then continued to recruit could have left and the operation was still going. But without her, it, like, I feel like they need a, I think they're going to be cornered. I just hope the judge is smart enough to discern because they're often principled where they say, oh, if we let this woman off because she was a victim and recruited, then if Jelaine argues the same thing. But yeah. it's different because she was instrumental. Like without her, it would have fallen apart. From the ground floor. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I, I have like no faith in the American justice system to get this right. They seem to do it 0% of the time. But it's just, ugh, it's frustrating. I mean, and for, it's it's been kind of interesting to watch the, I guess, a lot of people discover what the concept of grooming mm -hmm. is through this story. Mm -hmm. And then also through, unfortunately, like a lot of, like the Crystalia story, like heavily features mm -hmm. that concept um, that ugh, I feel like it, yeah, it's easy for Ghislaine to say like, oh, I didn't, oh no, not me. And it's like, no, you were, a full grown adult who yeah. worked at the, like organized this operation at every single level. I don't know. I mean, I, I a I lot of times it's the pattern too. Cause I've, I've been told like, uh, when you don't know, cause I've been gaslit before and sometimes it does put you in a place where you're like, I don't know what's real, but mm -hmm. a helpful tip is just to look at patterns. Like if you removed her from the situation, would she continue abusing? Probably. Cause she seems like that. I mean, I haven't looked into it, but I'm going to gander. Yes because Epstein was like that too. But some of these other women, they when they left, they could, you know, if they got the resources, could um, heal and have a better life. So there's like a pattern that persists with abusers that even when they, you know, move on to the next victim, they continue it. So, and that gets um, tricky too, because yeah. it's like, how do you prosecute a gaslighting <laughs> situation? Like yeah. the, yeah, I don't know. Um but you were saying grooming. Can I add one quick thing that I realized uh, is a lot of literature instills this yeah. in us as young young women. Like one of my favorite plays is Arcadia. And mm -hmm. it's literally about um, a tutor. I mean, he's only 22, but he's a tutor who's teaching this girl. Septimus teaching Thomasina, who's I think 16 or very young. And it's like a love story. But the dynamic to begin with is strange because he's her tutor and Mm -hmm. through talking and she's witty he falls in love with her and it kind of uh I feel like instilled early on this belief for me that if someone takes interest in my ideas that makes me attractive but men older men will give you attention because they want to sleep with you not because they like your ideas but then you feel like they like me because I'm smart and as you get older you see they just get bored once I feel like mm -hmm. it's like if you have questions men like you but once you have the answers they're done and mm. so it really Whoa. created a very <laughs> strange dynamic in my mind growing up because I love I'm very curious I love to ask questions and I used to ask older wiser people and now I just look for the info myself and answer them uh I'm harassed a lot less but also realize that those people were not interested in my brain um so right there was interesting well, that's thing like to such realize a <laughs> Caitlin and I have talked about that a lot on the, like the Bechtel cast too, where it's like that whole, like why there is such a like legacy in movies of 
like a sexy baby lady who mm-hmm. like the main mm-hmm. male character gets to like show the world for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it's like a very appealing uh, concept of like we I think like the most popular example is like the fifth element where it's like just like a sexy lady hatches and then he has to teach her everything and then they <laughs> fall in love because she doesn't know anything. And it's right. like Little Mermaid whole... splash. Like, all yeah, those. yeah. Yeah. Like that whole concept is so like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's so built in. And, and, and it's like, I didn't to... question it for a long time either. Yeah. Because it's, it's so embedded and I don't even think yeah. they are actively doing this, but like at the end of Arcadia, spoiler, I don't know if anyone who hasn't read it by now will, but she dies in a fire. So then he's like sad and forever can preserve her in his mind as this like <laughs> dead 16 year old who is so smart. But I like if she didn't die and she grew up, if she became 30 and she had all the answers and started teaching, I feel like he'd be like uh, moving on to the next 16 year old. So I don't know. Yeah. It's not as feminist a play as I had thought when I was reading it because <laughs> um, it's about a smart girl, but it's, she's only smart because she died. <laughs> she's allowed to be yeah we'll we'll allow it the one thing with the maxwell story is sorry yeah that we had that we just didn't bring up no that was all very interesting and super relevant but uh i am just interested to see like the i think Epstein's whole thing was like, you know, a blackmail uh, Ponzi scheme, or I have that suspicion. It seems like he was taking video of all these powerful men and Mm. was not shy in telling uh, the women he was trafficking and presumably Maxwell about the fact that he was doing that. Mm. So I do wonder, you know, if they're able to work the whatever the situation is with her so that they can like kind of expose this broader web of human trafficking and you know some of these powerful people who were on that island or that plane Mm. um who kind of got away when uh when epstein uh committed suicide in quotes um i challenge one of these men who um were uh who have blackmail to because i'm sure they're all you know shaking in their boots but i challenge if any of them really are remorseful to just be like there's a video of me and so then they can be like i confirm and then obviously they'll go to prison hopefully they won't die but they'll say like because i did it because they if they did it they still did it they gotta live with it so like if you want to make it right come out and say i did this shit they have it on video but if they come out i mean that would change this whole thing if one of these men who has is being blackmailed, stepped forward and said, yes, I fucked a kid and it's bad, and it, but I did it, so it's bad. So me not saying it's not going to make it go away, but now I want to make things right and take down this girl and everything around it. That would She's banking on nobody wanting that out because obviously they don't, but well, they but did I think it. An, so I think I, they should come out and make it right. Well, I feel like an, another, another um, way that that could possibly be resolved is there's so many accounts of people who while they did not seemingly like engage in actual human trafficking, were like on the plane, seemed to know what was going on. Malcolm even if they Gladwell, were not engaging Matt Groening. To, literally mm. Matt Groening and his and the and his nasty feet story, like that is uh. still like there's so many people who have peripheral knowledge of this that could confirm because it's like it's still like they're trying to ex- like deny the existence of any yeah. of it and they're afraid that they're ev- afraid. Well, and just like assuming that ever, anyone who ever engaged with it at any level is going to be mm-hmm. so 
fearful and embarrassed that they would never admit that it existed. And if I, if anyone at any level were able to confirm, like, yes, I knew mm-hmm. this was happening, um, even if they didn't participate in it, like that, that moves things forward at least in some meaningful way. I mean, Matt Groening and his nasty feet need to come forward. We all knew what Jeffrey Epstein's. Uh, was up to like everybody like in you know the me the media was on to him there were rumors like everywhere so like those people clearly knew and like the the idea that because there there are these like you know supposed like kind of liberal heroes like thomas pinker who's like this respected professor and like sociologist type guy is like was all over the place, like in Epstein's life like that, like there's no excuse for him to not do what you guys are talking about and like come forward and be like, okay, so here's what was actually going on. But like, he's just getting to continue to exist in polite society. Maybe they're afraid their voice won't be loud enough. Here's what you guys do. Start a group chat. Okay. And everybody release your statements on the same day. Then it's like you can't squash all the bugs at once. So first of all, teach your, you know, teach if you have a if you're the grandkid or kid of one of these powerful people, teach them how to make a group chat on Signal and then <laughs> tell them to, you know, get get the Clintons on a group chat. And um, I mean, Malcolm Gladwell seems like seems like he knows how to use here. a yeah. Malcolm Gladwell seems like he probably knows how to use a group chat. Uh, so Malcolm Gladwell. Organize your fellow perverts together. Get them to come clean. All right, guys, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll check in with the Netflix stuff. And we're back. And before we get to the Netflix top 10 at the end of last week, I want to talk about COVID-19 parties. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you just got done going to a bunch of them over the <laughs> holiday weekend. But so there's this story uh, that's breaking nationally that's coming out of Alabama and claiming that college students in, I think, Tuscaloosa were having COVID-19 parties where the object was to spread COVID-19 and they would go out of their way to invite somebody who had tested positive, and then they would put money in a pot, and whoever caught it first would get the money. Where was this reported? It was reported by ABC News, uh, and they've never been wrong about anything. Uh, It just reeks of every one of those like fake local news, like media panic things of like rainbow parties the girls are wearing different kinds of uh lipstick or like pill parties where the kids were stealing the pills and just taking pills at random as like a russian roulette like those were all stories that like the entire u.s mainstream media was like accepted as true for a couple weeks and everybody freaked out about and then it was like oh there's not been a single confirmed example of this yeah, it sounds a little, I mean, I don't know. They just when I was like looking at the cliff notes of this story this morning, it sounds a little sus to me. I mean, not that I don't believe that college students could act 
aggressively against their own interest and the interest of people around them, which we saw at the beginning of COVID with spring break and all that shit. Like, but they didn't lot- go on spring break to catch to COVID. Get exactly. <laughs> like, like that a- level of it. I'm like, that is, yeah. uh, is, is bumping me with this story. I need, I need more sources. <laughs> I need, it doesn't also- make sense because if they right. thought yeah. it was a hoax, then they wouldn't believe you could get it. But if they believed it was real, then they wouldn't want it. So it's kind of like the logic breaks down when you try to break it down. I think the theory is that they think it's real. They think they're like invincible because they're young. And so they want to get it so that they are actually like not capable of getting it again. I don't know. But I mean, I don't don't know. Something about it sounds fake. I said the logic of it and then said something completely illogical. Uh, there's also <laughs> there's also this detail that there's a money pot where the first person who catches it gets the money. But like, how would that possibly work? They're waiting for their Dude, test results. Days. Yeah, the party's lasting <laughs> days as they wait there. And also like one per whoever gets the first test result back. Like, yeah, multiple people would have it for sure then. Right. They would all have it. <laughs> It's like, oh I, it, yeah, I, <laughs> this sounds off to me. If it's yeah. true, horrible. Hate it. I yeah. just, it doesn't, um, I don't know. Yeah. There's too I, many I asterisks like- with how it, that would work. And also the intention of it. Like, I don't understand the intention of it. I understand like, oh, I want to go on spring break. Fuck you. I don't understand what's going on in the world. I'm just going to go. But the intentionality behind this is confusing. There's also it's like it's kind of a oh sorry. Well, just no, say it's don't. almost like the it feels like Russian roulette, which is something people do. But I to me, I think the magnitude of the story is not the way they're making it seem. Like I don't want to say right. it's not happening. Someone could read it and be like, "That's a good idea" because they're very dumb and do it. But that's the kind of sure. person who might already have a you know a death sentence or death wish, or the kind of person who seeks that kind of thrill, like would play Russian roulette. So I believe it could happen. I don't believe that this is happening to the extent that they're pushing it out right it always sounds a little deflective where it's like it's clear that young people are not the primary like drivers of virus spread and then you when you see stuff like this it's like no it's actually teenagers (laughs) that are doing this and it's like i don't think that it is i also don't think a lot of the things, uh, a lot of these fake stories, you can debunk them by asking yourself if it would be in any way fun for anybody at that party. Like the the pill party, <laughs> like why would you go to a party where some of the pills are Advil or like something that is going to just give you like gas or something and some of the pills are good drugs instead of just going to a party where all the pills are drugs like why would that be why would that be the thing like a fun thing oh my god I've never heard of that but that's so funny that's definitely a story designed to stoke fear in parents who exactly oh my kid would take Advil but they'd be tricked by their good their bad friend into taking drugs it's like yeah they wanted to take drugs they just take the drugs like right you don't have to be tricked into it you either do but, it or you don't. Like, you know. Yeah. In this case, like it doesn't sound fun. <laughs> like there's nothing fun yeah. about it. Like because there's no like payoff where you're like, ah, it was me who had the COVID-19 the whole time. Like there's nothing uh, like you could just go play like mafia or something. Like there's just so much more fun things to do. This is yeah, this sounds like it sounds like a like a 
I don't know. It sounds like an, an unfriended movie. It sounds like it. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Movies a, written by co- old people about young people. Yeah, it's the comedian. That, that, I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. like it sounds like a story that an old person would write about <laughs> young people to make you afraid of young people. Oh yeah. my gosh! Like, what's that kissing booth one that on Netflix that was like written by nine? That story was no. That story was written by a fifteen-year-old. Oh, it was okay. JK. Yeah, it was written on Wattpad by a fifteen-year-old, which is just, I guess, evidence to the the opposite of like okay. You know, fifteen-year-old, maybe they can't tell their own story on the big screen. <laughs> maybe they need some help from an adult. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, I feel like school. okay, the the comedy version of this game, uh, this COVID nineteen party, would be like join comedy and whoever gets depression first um, gets a comedy gets, special. Gets, I know, and it's and, like, but it's also yeah. But it's like everybody has depression. It's not fun, and for no reason at all, we can't stop doing it. Right. And we all and you have could depression. win like maximum forty dollars. Like how much are people yeah, winning yeah. in this? Right. Like two drink tickets and. Uh... <laughs> all right, guys. We have come to the Netflix top ten check-in. Uh, we picked the ninth and tenth uh, movies from the Netflix top ten from the end of last week. They are love and dark uh these are the fewest (laughs) notes we've ever we've ever had uh about it like i i I usually write endlessly when it's a a deep movie like trolls world tour or the nut job but uh this week i watched an entire season of a show and i have like a couple sentences uh jamie you watched love and your analysis is boo well i ha- i have i have thought yeah there's my that's my, <laughs> central thought. my central thesis do you want to talk love first sure uh so okay love is is not the paul rust show uh <laughs> it's it's the gaspar no um movie from 2015 the whole thing is it was released in 3d uh, at the time, it was like a 3D oh, wow. art house porno movie. Uh, they do not have it on Netflix in 3D, so maybe there are things I was missing. <laughs> but it is fun to know that the movie is 3D because you can tell the shots that were 3D. Because oh, yeah. uh, there are well, there's at least one scene where there's like a penis coming at you at the screen, and you're like, "Well, that would have been something to see in 3D, I guess. Like that would have." <laughs> I, and I believe just, it's the director's wow. penis. It's actually the director's oh. uh, Gaspar Noe's penis. Oh my gosh! I, so what a treat! What, yeah. good, good for him. Uh, Gaspar, <laughs> I don't know. I I've seen um I've seen other I've seen uh, Enter the Void, uh, which a, a guy who was dating when I first moved to LA made me watch on a second date, and I I don't know. It's like Gaspar Noe is like a talented filmmaker i don't like anything he has to say but like he the movies look cool i think like you know it's there i just it's kind of weird because it's like he's shooting these long sex scenes a lot of which i did fast forward through because the movie's two and a half hours long and by fast forwarding through sex scenes it's only an hour and a half long Um, (laughs) nothing happens but it is it takes less time but it's like they they are like very well shot, like porn pornographic scenes. But it's just weird to me that he's like he's filming these sex scenes as if he's like the first person to have ever done it. 
when there's mm. just millions and billions of hours <laughs> of of it uh, right. with better plots. Like the the, <laughs> the thing with love is like so for me it felt very much like a movie made for like NYU freshman <laughs> boys where yes. uh-huh. it's it's uh-huh. about it stars a guy who I learned is now married to Zoe Kravitz. Good for I him. I know. Shout out uh, to him. So I've seen Zoe Kravitz's husband's dick a lot. So uh, much. So much. I Great wanted dick on less. Um, but but yeah, like it's about this guy who is like. Also, there's some. Uh, I mean, I don't. I'm, I'm. They're in Paris. I don't know what the age. Uh, consent situations are there, but there's definitely some of that where you're like, uh, I don't love this. Uh, but it's just like, uh, it's, it's, he, the, it's like an American in Paris who talks like an NYU freshman. Every girl he meets immediately wants to have sex with him. Uh, he like, like where he's people. standing at the moment, yeah, it, at that moment. <laughs> it's so yeah. like he will, yeah. he'll, He's like a, a shitty person, and the movie knows he's a shitty person, but they're also like, but isn't he complicated? And you're like, I don't oh, know. God. I don't know. I don't think he's... that he is. I think he might be a little, like... And he's and also, so, like, the worst dad. Isn't there, like, doesn't he have a terrible kid? Terrible father. And then also, Gaspar Noah is, like, one of those filmmakers who's really into constantly referencing himself and, like, inserting mm. himself into his own movies, which is, like... Literally? <laughs> literally. I mean, yeah, he's in this movie with his as penis. a guy named No. Uh, and then and and then there's a, the kid's name is Gaspar. So Gaspar mm. Noah is obsessed with himself. He... I don't know. I... Uh, he, much like uh, Ari Aster at times, I feel like he's a really oh. good filmmaker who's writing. I really can't stand <laughs> for the most part. Um, but like the, the main character whose name is Murphy, Murphy's Law, everything's going wrong. They literally show the sunscreen. Uh, um, wait, they then, say that in the movie? It's a freeze frame. Oh, gosh. It's wow. a freeze frame. No. And so just, the movie does all this stuff to like, distance blame and like accountability from the main character when he's horrible Mm. and like kind of knows it but not enough to like do anything about it which i guess is you you i don't know i guess you can say that in a movie but why the (laughs) and then and then the other uh the woman who is very like it's almost like a christopher nolan style role yeah. for a woman where she like uh-huh. got, like we were talking about earlier Teresa she dies to teach him a lesson um mm. he says one I only watched like, the first two minutes I, I told you guys that but that's yeah you could into it all that good to know it's yeah. I guess like spoilers <laughs> for everything but nothing really happens it's just like one of those stories where um he's with this woman named Electra symbolism what huh like <laughs> shut up like so he's with this woman Electra and then he cheats on her all the time. And he's like, why are you mad about that? And <laughs> then he gets a 17-year-old girl pregnant. And then oh, no. they break up. He stays with the 17-year-old because the 17-year-old uh, does not want to get an abortion. And there's like a whole conversation about how she's pro-life. And then they have a kid named Gasparno. And, <laughs> and then he's with her and so he's like regretting that he didn't make things right with this woman he was compulsively cheating on um for years and then uh, you get a call at the beginning saying that she has most likely died by suicide and then we just get flashbacks to every time that they had sex and then it resolves (laughs) at the end by like i don't know it just like 
I don't know. At the end, there it's like, and the day they met, he said to her, life is pointless. You might as well kill yourself. And then she goes, ha ha, I agree. And then oh, three gosh. years later, she does it. It's very, it's so, I, ugh, I don't know. I didn't, you, I didn't see much value in it. I, I enjoyed so your long. rendition of it more than I think I would enjoy this yeah. movie. And, it's yeah. so, and it's told all out of order kind of for like, the hell of it. I didn't really see the point of like the reveal. The reveal at the end is so dumb. It's like the reveal at the end is he said something stupid to her the day they met and then she didn't learn anything about anything and then just did something even though she knew he was stupid. And then at the end they <laughs> hug in a bathtub. It's kind of fun because <laughs> you, know, you can you can imagine like Gaspar no. Just because I have like a one of those Alexa things where you can change the lighting in your room. And he's so into like, I mean, it's like effective, but it is also like kind of, are you just whispering to an Alexa? Like, Alexa, turn the lights Uh, red. And then you're like, oh, (laughs) now we're feeling something. Oh. Um, I think I honestly would have liked it better if I could have seen it in 3D. Uh, But the story was dog shit. The sex scenes were really long. And it's just like, I could have just watched porn. Yeah, that's my review. I could have just watched porn and right. had a the much better scene, time and saved two hours. I, I the first scene is like a very explicit sex scene, and I mm-hmm. was so distracted by. I mean, I really just wanted to watch a bit because I got. I just didn't have time to like, watch it all, but um, I was so no, distracted by how he was like try like he was fingering her but he was like fingering her thigh and it, i couldn't like i know it's just because it's like that's good that they're like faking it so it's she probably was you know safe the actress and all that but it made me be like can you just shoot from a different angle it was so distracting and that to me is like <laughs> maybe it, that's no, what he thinks it was it not i don't know it, but it wasn't was, faked <laughs> like the whole thing they was actually real? filmed he was, like people, rubbing her like, thigh i'm like that's yeah. not where you i don't that wouldn't what are you doing there? I'm so confused. Like, is this I don't how know. Like, all these like has sex? And like filmmakers who are like provocateurs in that way are always like, I just get a little like, is everyone safe here? Like that was my right. Yeah. yeah. I keep thinking I kept thinking that I was like, is everyone safe here? Because he this filmmaker has a reputation for like shooting stuff while he's like high on cocaine like he's like openly admitted this stuff he's like possibly most famous for like shooting a brutal rape scene like he's done a lot of stuff that is like you don't have total faith that everyone Mm. is like okay and so it's also kind of like an anxiety experience in that way I was talking, I said that to Isaac. I was like, because Gaspar, no, it, this movie, if you just saw it, you would be like, this movie for sure was written and made by a 19-year-old. Uh, <laughs> but it's not. It's made by a 52-year-old man uh, at the time. And so I feel like it's a little bit embarrassing. I don't know. I like. Yeah. I think he's, get- tr- he's trying to make a little bit of commentary on like the stupidity of youth, but he doesn't know how to write his female characters. And doesn't really the the only consequence that the like protagonist experiences is that he, he like a woman dies which is i just hate that writing choice every single time and he doesn't necessarily seem to miss like or or want to make things right so much as it, he misses like all his flashbacks are just sex scenes so it's like 
All he but, misses is the sex scenes. Like he doesn't like. When I fucked, like <laughs> it's so it's so because it, like if he went back, he'd just do it again because he missed the sex. Right. Like, that, right. That, that, <laughs> I watched it with Isaac, and we were talking about like if you take out if the movie was just shown in a linear fashion because it has this framework of like the day he finds out that she most likely died by suicide, and so that's where the movie starts and then you have all the flashback all over the, but I think if it, the story is about a guy who is a terrible father who gets a call saying that his ex-girlfriend who he used to cheat on has died by suicide. And then he spends the whole day getting high out of his mind and recalling sex in detail and then ends his day crying in a bathtub. And so he just spends the whole day at home. Like it's just, yeah. he just spends the whole day at home doing drugs. Is right. that's also very narcissistic to be like, yes, this woman who killed herself, who has a life outside of me, who hasn't talked to me, probably did it because our sex was so good, yeah. and that's the only part. I, like it's like it's almost it's like this weird thing of like. Not all men, but a lot of these types of like more narcissistic, like mm, I want to say abusers, men, they tend to think, oh, feeling sorry internally and like really wrestling with my demons is enough for you to forgive me. And it's like, no, 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 no. That y- right. you should still do that. But also like yeah. you, you still did a bad thing. So you, you still got a <laughs> real consequence that's still have to happen. I'm sorry that you're struggling internally. That is also hard. But it's not it's enough. Like, and all these movies are just about like, oh, can you see how, how this has weighed on me? Uh, and it's, it was like okay. unclear. <laughs> it was not clear to me in the movie whether Gaspar Noe was doing this with any level of like self-awareness. That I felt like was like I, I for me, I don't think he was. But I, I paused the movie and my boyfriend and I had an argument about it. He's like, no, I think he knows. I'm like, I don't think he knows. I don't think he knows. Uh, I think that he, like like you were saying, Teresa, I think that he thinks that presenting the fact that the protagonist felt guilt is kind of enough. Yeah. I think Which, that's... Well, let me ask, yeah. ask you this. Would it change? Because I used to struggle with this and now I decided that it wouldn't. But when you try, when, if you're a survivor, you try to justify. Like, would it change the fact if someone did a bad thing if they were sorry or not? To me, I used to be like, if I know this person realize how much they hurt me that would make me feel less mad or less yeah. bad but then i over time you realize wait a minute that's also manipulation they could have just not done it so them saying sorry yeah. making me feel less angry is also a form of and it's just like a chance to make it about themselves again of like mm-hmm, here's mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. big sorry performance and you're just like <laughs> whether it's sincere or not like i just don't want any part of it <laughs> Um, I mean, if so, he knows, yeah. because he he just seems so endlessly fascinated by the guy feeling guilty about having cheated on her. Like, that just is... But and no it's examination so bo- as to, like, why is right. he doing it? Right. Is it because <laughs> women are hot? Like, so, like, what would the point be if he did realize how stupid that was? Like, because there's nothing... Right. right. Mm. Maybe I should uh, be having this conversation with Isaac. Like, Isaac, you're wrong. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like, he, he, by it was funny because we had like paused the movie like 15 minutes before it ended to have this argument. And then I emerged victorious because I was like, I don't think that Gaspar No is recognizing what, like, I don't think he's examining anything. I think he's just showing it. 
And Isaac's like, well, I don't know. Like, we haven't seen the end, blah, blah, blah. And then we watch the end, and it's so on the nose because he's named this character Murphy because Murphy's Law, something that can go wrong, will, and which just the name of the character absolves him of any guilt or accountability that he would have for any of his actions because it's like, well, bad things are just going to happen. But then at the end, there's that whole scene where he draws the direct line of like, because Murphy told Electra that, like, you know, there's no point in life. That's why all this happened. And you're like, what kind of like narcissistic person thinks that someone would even remember that conversation? Like, it's just so ridiculous. The kind that builds their entire film career oh. so that they can create a 3D film of their boner, put, like, uh, fucking the audience, fucking, like, literally fucking the movie theater. Yeah, um, Gaspar Noe has, he's like a talented filmmaker with some serious narcissistic issues, and I don't care for his work. Mm. Uh, cool. Dark is <laughs> like if Donnie Darko was a German TV show. Um, it's like <laughs> there's trippy time travel stuff based on a high school education's worth of science, and it's pretty fun for a while, and then you sort of get annoyed by how like clever it thinks it is but um <laughs> like it has it's just very much centered on that like 19 year old boy mentality of uh that you are talking about like season two opens with a Nietzsche quote and it's like not no. one of the good ones it's like if you stare for a long time into the void the void stares um, back that um, one Wow! Yeah, the, his best. Uh, the one that not even DC, a B side. Uh, who liked the that Suicide Squad movie from DC loved to quote that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, there are some cool twists, like for a time travel. Like the things I like about it, it's a time travel movie that had like does some cool things with time travel that I hadn't really seen anywhere else. Like where char- different characters who are interacting with each other, you find out they're like the same person just at different stages of their life, which is really cool. Um, and it's like a time travel movie that I guess back to the future sort of did this, but it's got a like small town vibe where you kind of learn the location and you get an idea of the geography of the town um, that it all takes place around. Like it, it kind of reminds me of Goonies in that respect. And then at one point in the second season, the, kid's bedroom has a Goonies poster on it so it's like yeah okay so you're definitely influenced by Goonies I also found out so anybody who's starting to watch this do not put the English audio on just use subtitles Uh, the English you can like have the English voiceover and it's so bad like the, (laughs) the voice acting because it's like First of all, it's not like they don't say the same things as the subtitles for some reason, but also like, so they didn't get like great voice actors for the audio track. And then yeah. it's also like this really, I don't know if this is how German people talk or if it's like just how they wrote <laughs> this show, but it's like all very, like I, I, I wrote one thing down. We're not free in what we do because we're not free in what we want. We can't overcome what's deep within us is an actual line that one person says to another person. Um, Casual conversation, you know. Yeah. So, would you say that that (laughs) makes you think? 
<laughs> so cheap, man. Yeah, man. Uh, I was fucking brains leaking out of my nose over here. Uh, but yeah, so don't do that. Just read the... Because then when you watch with subtitles, like the actors themselves are good. It's just like... Yeah, like you you actually believe that they're saying something that they would say when it's actually said in the German. So watch it that way. It is cool. Like it's it's worth watching if you like if you still like Donnie Darko, aka if you're 18. I was gonna say, yeah, the, I I've it's been many years since I've revisited Donnie Darko. Yeah. And I don't know if I even should at this point. I don't know. That and usual I've suspects are movies that I that like had the biggest drop off from like when I first mm-hmm. saw them and I was a teenager to like when I watched them more recently and was like, wow, these are these are not good. Donnie Darko um, made me think when I was man. fourteen. I was like, yeah. holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I like in the first um, opening, once again, only watched the first two minutes, but there's that <laughs> quote about time. And I was like, okay, interesting. And then it says, everything is connected. And I just out loud said, oh, oh shit. Dot, dot, You're dot. like, like yeah, no. Oh, job. wow. Everything oh, is connected. God. Is that true? No way. Wow. Is this the premise of the show? Uh, they it's... have like five different metaphors to make that same point throughout. They're like, it's like 20,000 million infinite interconnected wheels that are turning each other. And then they're like, it's like a great tapestry with infinite threads that are all connected to one. It's like, okay, so get it. Everything's connected. It's okay. like we're all and it's made by like a, a moody German married couple. Is it that... is. Okay. And the other thing that really uh, made me like changed from, cause I started watching this uh, earlier this year because a friend of mine was like, really likes it. And then I watched the Jamie Foxx movie, I think it's like up all night or something. It's like a action movie. It was one of the first movies I did for the Netflix rewatch because it was trending. Oh, right, and yeah. that is directed by this uh, couple. And really, it's very dumb. Uh, so I was like, oh, so this is like a dumb person's version of a smart movie. Um, <laughs> and that changed the way I watched the last couple episodes. But interesting. I am kind of curious. It's still like I I think it's cool and like the intro uh they do a cool thing it's worth just watching the intro uh sequences like cool looking with mm-hmm. like a mirrored video and that's it those are two things that are trending on Netflix uh Teresa it's been so wonderful having you on the Daily Zeitgeist uh where Thanks can people me. find you follow you enjoy you um I'm on online all the time at Larissa T. I've been posting about bots. I think by the time this comes out, I'm I'm trying to write up a, a an accessible, easy to understand article about um some of this weird shit I'm finding. So I'm I'm gonna okay, I'm just gonna say it. it'll be out by the time you hear this. So f- find me on Twitter, oh, I'll yeah. link to it. Because I think I just sound like I'm a raving lunatic. So I'm gonna find a way to at least simplify some of this stuff. But there's some really wild shit out there. This is the bot thing. The bot study, yeah, the bot thing, and just a lot of the weird brainwashing indoctrination that the extreme right is using, um, and how they're targeting people online. So I'll 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 share some examples that 
makes more sense. And I'll, and if it's bad, you can, you know, you can yell at me. That's fine. I, I deserve it. <laughs> and is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? Um, yeah, I really like this tweet. I guess it's a few days old now, but from Z-Way, who's super funny if you guys don't follow her already, but it kind of sums up how I feel about coronavirus. She just said, surely we can do more to combat the spread of coronavirus than absolutely nothing. (laughs) So I just enjoyed that. It made me sad, but also laugh. So, (laughs) um, Jamie, it's been great having you as my guest co-host these past couple days. Where can people find you and follow you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jamie Loftus Help, Instagram at Jamie Christ Superstar. Uh, I'm gonna shout out. This was a there. This is a screenshot of a tweet that I took uh, that was on a long thread that I read till three in the morning of like people texting their like ten year old nieces and nephews and like how ten year olds communicate over text. So <laughs> here are a few texts from a ten year old named Levi to his cousin. Uh, My parents cannot pass the vibe check. They made me take out my AirPods. They couldn't pass the vibe check. Fuck. (laughs) Wait, that really happened? Yeah, it's a real screenshot (laughs) from a 10-year-old texting his older cousin. That sounds like me trying to write as a as a 10 year old that's what my i would write couldn't pass the, vibe <laughs> the vibe check. check. they made me take out my airpods they couldn't i like that he repeats they couldn't pass the vibe <laughs> check. <laughs> he's shocked although i guess as a 10 year old you are trying to approximate like what older cooler people say so maybe that's why it is what i would try 10 to year olds are out here time. doing full-on vibe check <laughs> vibe check it's like uh one of our listeners in when we were on tour in Chicago wrote, I guess Malort is a vibe. Uh, <laughs> it really made me laugh. Um, all right. What are some tweets? Uh, the Drake Gatsby tweeted, normalize faking your own death and starting a new life as a mysterious but respected bartender in a quiet coastal New England town, which I think is good advice. <laughs> Uh, Allison O'Connor tweeted, I miss my friends, but also absolutely do not remember who they are or what they look like. (laughs) Um, You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. We link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on. And today we are going to ride out on a song recommended by super producer Anna Hosnier. It's called Forever. It's by Sarah. Uh, she has a great at-home tiny desk concert out right now on NPR. Uh, so check that out. All right, so we're going to ride out on that. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for this morning. We'll be back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we will talk to you guys then. Bye. Bye. Bye.
When I wake up, no makeup, half naked, I feel like I'm the shit. Pardon my language, but hangups do not define the kid. No, I'm not flawless, I'm scarred up and I'm fine with it. My body are the laundry list of all of life's unkindnesses, but I still sip tea and chant home and live free. Cause hardships and heartbreaks turn to rap epiphanies. And mom told me, stay woke, cause all gold ain't glistening. Choose your words wisely, cause the all knowing's listening. But no worries, I'm Gucci, my thighs are low juicy, my dialogue, low awkward, my idols still move me. My life is a movie, like Raheem and Mookie. I'm just trying to do the right thing, hope that it improves me. My bamboos are costume suit me. You-